You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Tech Fan Podcast number 430. Check it out. Tech Fan Podcast number 430, and uh, for very long-time listeners of shows in this network, that music should have sounded familiar. Mm. <clears throat> we got old school. Went very, very old school. Now, that is not the Tech Fan theme. We do have a Tech Fan theme. We kind of stopped using it a few years ago, where we just kind of went with the cold open. Yep. But I've kind of missed it, and David and I talked about it in the past, and here's the thing. Uh... <clears throat> Kevin Reeves, he is a musician. He actually lives in Kalamazoo, Michigan now, mm-hmm. which is, I mean, he lives near me, so that's kind of cool. I've seen him a total of one time since then. Um, I mean, he, he moved here. We're friends on Facebook. Uh, he used to be a listener of the show. I don't know if he is anymore. But he wrote the original music to the MyMac podcast. Um, I paid him for it, so, you know, he created the music for the show. Yep. And up until that point, you know, Chad and I would just pick different stuff. And, you know, it it was always a struggle coming up with over the theme sound was going to be at the beginning of the episode until we settled on that. And then when, obviously, we started Tech Fan, I already knew who I was going to go to to get a new theme song. Uh-huh. Kevin Reeves. Yep. And it had some familiar sound to it to the MyMac podcast, but it was totally different. And in all respect to this show, the original MyMac theme was always my favorite. I loved it. Yeah. I loved it from the very moment I heard it. Um, <clears throat> I had sent him a bunch of uh, you know uh, music that I thought would work really well, and could you do something like that? And that's how he created that. And it was just it was brilliant. It's yeah. still my favorite. And at this point, it's like nineteen years old. Mm-hmm. I mean, but it was written for me for the MyMac podcast. Well, Dave, or David, uh, Guy and Gaz changed things up a while back. Yeah. And they have their own music now. They don't play them. So I started thinking, you know, that's my favorite. Why don't I just use it here on TechFan? Okay. Yeah. I didn't say anything to them. Makes Well, it makes sense. It's your piece of music. <laughs> Technically, yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but if they're not going to use it, I think we might switch on and off between that and the uh, the tech fan theme. Why not? Yeah, why we'll not? Have fun with Multi-themed. it. Multi-themed. That's right. Plus, I, I just love that music so much. Uh-huh. Fires me up. Cool. So, let's... Uh, obviously, this is Tech Fan. It's not Geeks Pub. But we're going to talk about something a little bit different here at the beginning than just technology. Uh, although, it does kind of tie into in some respects. And that's... Hurts. Yep. Um, I hurts, David. No, that not that hurts. No. The car rental company. Yeah, they're in trouble. Um, you said you could. You how did they get to this point? Well, yeah. So here's the thing, right? Obviously, car rentals have fallen off a cliff. As sure, a no one's going of, anywhere, yeah. and yeah, you know, it just like pretty much everything else in ev- in every COVID affected economy around the world, ninety percent of the economies have just not been able to function at all. So, um, obviously, car rental is going to be you know, it's related to travel, it's related to um, trains and airports and things like that, and those have also dis- virtually disappeared. So, I don't, I don't, I'm not surprised that all car rental companies are struggling. Because obviously they have no revenue and they've got overheads, they've got fixed overheads. I presume they lease the car, so you've got to pay pay for those. Um, so you would expect car rental companies to be struggling. What is unusual about the reports I read yesterday about Hertz is how much debt they're carrying. Because you know what? The thing is, they have overheads, yeah, but you'd imagine being in the business as long as they've had, they, they have, they'd have a pretty good idea how to balance those overheads against revenue. And they have a captive market. You know, there are only a few rental companies you can choose from most of the time. And in fact, they own two or three of the cheaper ones as well. Yep. Um, so you'd have thought in terms of income, 
in normal circumstances, they kind of have it made. You know, the business just comes to them. Um, and obviously they have the upsells and, and all of that sort of stuff. And you mentioned also technology. You know, the technical advances in the last few years with GPS and, um, you know, the, the, if you've ever rented a, rented a car recently, the way they basically check you in, check you out virtually automatically on a computer. Yeah, you don't even, yeah, yeah, you don't even, a lot of these places, you don't even go to a counter anymore. You go right to where the cars are and it's all on an iPad or exactly. a tablet and they take a picture of your license, you sign it digitally, here's your keys, you're done. Yeah. So you'd imagine all of that will have driven down their overheads and yet this company is apparently carrying $17 billion in debt. And the yeah, problem and is, if you have debts that large and all of a sudden your income dries up, then you're in trouble because the even at low interest payments, the interest on that is going to kill you. Say, how the, the hell did you get to seventeen billion? Yeah, because now they say they started this really did start in the last economic downturn. Right, that was a, over a decade ago. Mm-hmm. How what the hell have you been doing? And then you start reading some of the the finer details. Um, they they mismanaged when it came to uh, cars that they were getting. They went to the compact cars. Yeah, well. I could have told you 12 years ago, Americans don't... If you're going to go on vacation, you don't want a subcompact. Yeah. You want a bigger vehicle because you guess what? You've got luggage and stuff like that with you. Yeah. And everybody likes the bigger cars here in the U.S. We just do. Yep. I know it's different in other parts of the country, but we like the bigger vehicles. We're fat. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the wrong cars. Um, you're right in that it's kind of a captive customer there at the airport but they're not the only ones and the technology will allow the potential customer to check the prices before they even get there yeah and what's available as far as the car rentals and i don't think a company like hertz has a really great reputation i don't think any of the car rental companies do to be honest yeah so yeah. there's choice now. There, there is choice. But having said that, they owned an Uber. Yeah. Let's let's not forget Uber. Well, I, I mean, yes, Uber, the Uber effect is definitely part of this because Uber wasn't there ten years ago, and right. I'm sure. And Uber, everybody always hated taxi cabs. Yeah, I'm sure Uber has taken a you know there are awful lot of people I've done this myself where you you go on a trip, particularly if it's a business trip, you hire a car, you drive to a destination, it sits in the parking lot for two days, then you drive back to the airport and go home, um, and obviously Uber's kind of killed that because now you can get the convenience of door-to-door. You don't have to deal with a cab, with the regulations and all of that. You know, you've got the ability to summon it when you want to, and then you can take extra trips for not very much money. Um, so, yeah, I'm sure Uber has affected them, but they've had time. I mean, Uber's not brand new. Uber's been going for about eight years now, and they've had time to yeah. adapt their model, and they don't appear to have been able to do that. But again, and I think I think the fundamental problem here, you said it goes back to the downturn. What did yeah. the downturn bring us? It brought us very, very low interest rates. And and it's been like that ever since. And COVID has actually taken them. I mean, here in the UK now, the interest rate is virtually zero. Um, and the problem is when you have those interest rates, and I think a lot of big businesses go, oh, we want to spend some money. Well, we can just, we can just uh, do it with debt. Yep. Yeah. And the problem, as I say, is you do that with debt. Sorry for the pop on the mic, by the way. Um, you do that with debt, and then all of a sudden you haven't got any income, then you've got a problem. Well, I think a big part of this is that they bought a couple competitors, and they were already in debt at that point. Mm-hmm. They were just coming out of a bad recession. I, I don't think that's the time when you go out and... If your own house is in order, in order that's not when you go out and just buy your competitors. Yeah. You don't win by monopolizing your market because that's the kind of a market they, they're never going to monopolize. We have a car rental division of our company. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, we, we get occasionally a, a, a person that's not buying a car with us. Their, um, their car isn't getting worked on for days on end. So it's just people coming in saying, hey, I heard you guys rent cars. Yeah, go over there. Yeah. I mean... There's so much competition to not use a company like Hertz. Well, I I think as well that my perception of Hertz uh, has always been that they are more expensive than everyone else. Yeah, yeah. same here. They they, yep. they they seem to pitch themselves as a as a premium car rental company. But the problem with that has always been in my mind is that car rental is not a premium business. 
It's yeah. not, none of it is. Yeah. It's all the same vehicle. Exactly. It's exactly the same cars. And you know what? The, the less I have to deal with the car rental company themselves, the better. I'm not yeah. looking for some kind of gold-plated limousine. Yeah, yes. exactly. That, no. It's like, you know, that that's something <clears throat> that, that goes back to the golden age of air travel 50 years ago. It doesn't exist exactly. anymore. Yep. You know, and, and I presume they bought the competitors to try and get the low end of market while trying to protect the Hertz brand. But I think what they should have done is just cut prices. Yep. You know, that's that would have saved them. Because I tell but you what, cutting I, prices is also looking at the top of the company where you have hundreds and hundreds of executives making, you know, boatloads of money for no good reason. See, this is one of the issues I think a lot of people have when they start saying executive compensation that it's so out of whack from everybody else in the company even when the company is doing badly yeah i I just think for an average person they see that this person is making 30 million dollars a year running that company Mm. are you kidding it it leaves a bad taste in people's mouth and subconsciously they start avoiding that brand in the future yeah and and you know the competitor uh, the biggest competitor is avis and avis are doing just fine you yeah. know they've got the same problem. So is Enterprise. They've still got to pay. Um, Avis have still got to pay the loans on their fleet, but but they say they're going to get through this, and yep. hurts or not, you know. So um, it's crazy. Well, here's the difference: <laughs> Avis had 1.6 billion dollars in cash, so yep. they'd saved some money to take them through a bad time. Hertz hasn't done that. Well, and, and a lot of companies like that, they don't. You, when you find out how much a company made last year. I, I use the um, uh, airline industry as an example. I don't think that the government should bail out the airline industry this time. No. Because they continuously do the worst business practices. They don't They don't keep their money in case a downturn happens. Yeah. They frivolously spend. They don't upgrade their fleet for anything. The customer service is atrocious. Yeah. Just atrocious. If they didn't have practically a monopoly on some in some areas um but they that, yeah. they would have they would have been out of business a long time ago and i say let them die yeah that but that is again is is uh, i mean i i view the airline industry is very similar to the to the car to the car rental yes it's basically about putting people in seats and charging them yep. for it yeah yep. and also as well yeah they are virtual monopolies they've got a captive market you know the air, airports need airlines so you know it's a, it's mutually beneficial to both of them, yeah, and that and that bolsters them up, and it leads to poor competition, poor customer service, all of these things, um, you know, and and this is what we've uh, this is what we've been left with, and I I completely agree with you. I do not, given the current, given the current um, state of the world with global warming and all that sort of thing, we don't need to be bailing out airlines. Let them die. They won't. It's, airline travel won't disappear. Yeah, it will. There will be other airlines that come along to take up the space, but it, it will give the whole industry a kick up the backside to change mm-hmm. the way it does business. So you know? I do uh, switching topics here for just a minute. Uh, everyone probably, you know, heard the news that uh, Joe Rogan is going to Spotify exclusively. Yeah, uh, and they paid him. I forget how many millions. Um, for Joe Rogan's fans, I do apologize. David and I did turn down the offer. That's why they went to Joe afterwards. But <laughs> yeah. we just want to stay. We're, we're, I think this we're is not going to bad... sell out to the man. That's a, that's the no. thing. Yeah. Um, and they're not buying Joe Rogan. They're just buying exclusivity. He's yeah. still 100% of charge of his own content. Well, for now. Um, I think that for Joe Rogan, it's a great and a bad thing. It's great in that he's going to get paid. Good for him. Yeah. You know, I like some of his stuff. I don't like some of his stuff. Uh, I think it's going to cost him millions of listeners. Yeah. Long term. Because if he does pull completely out of... Now, see, if it's just... If it's Spotify audio only, and he's still going to be putting the video clips on YouTube, nothing will change. Mm -hmm. But if he does pull all his stuff from... Or stop putting new stuff up on YouTube, it's going to kill his brand. Because... As much as people like listening to Joe, they're not going to switch over to an audio-only podcast when they're used to watching him on YouTube. It's it's a totally different audience. 
unless Spotify is going to go to the video business as well. But now someone's going to go to a different website to watch it? I don't think yeah, so. Yeah, well, that, that, that if is If it's the not on YouTube, it's not going to exist for three quarters of all the people that watch his videos. Yeah. He's going to see his numbers dry up over overnight. Well, yeah. I the, think this is going to be a one-time, he's going to be there for a while, and then there'll be a big thing about him coming back to YouTube and iTunes and all that. I, I the, It's always difficult <laughs> when you go from go away from being free to going yep. behind a paywall, which is what effectively he's doing here. Now, you, from Spotify's point of view, you could argue that, well, they're already big enough that this is just filling out their offering and that there's enough people on Spotify who already listen to Joe Rogan that it won't make much of a difference to him. But you're absolutely right. The, ba- the brand has been built up not just in the podcast but from the other things he does. And people aren't... You know, people... There will be a, a core part of his audience who are happy to pay, but I would imagine a lot of people who already listen to him already have Spotify anyway. I don't... I don't believe it's the sort of thing that, that's going to drive Spotify... Um, subscriptions there's, there's already oh it won't it, no, not at know. all it, any more than when uh, SiriusXM got Ho- Howard Stern yeah. it didn't change it, uh, maybe v- at the very beginning they got a few more l- subscriptions but that's it yeah. it did not move the needle long term and in fact other than the fact that he, uh, Stern is talking crap about Donald Trump right now which I'm all for um yeah. When's the last time you heard about anything from Howard Stern? Oh, I know. Yeah. He, he doesn't exist anymore. Exactly. Because he went behind a paywall. Yeah, a good, another good example that I always think of with this is on a smaller scale, but in tech, David Pogue. Yeah. David Pogue used to be everywhere. You know, he was one of the best known or well-known um, tech journalists in the business. and He and was he, writing columns at New York yeah. Times, but that still freed him up to do whatever else he wanted to do on yeah. whatever else platform he wanted and, to and he, he he is damn good at it i mean don't get yes. me wrong i mean it's 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 a style that doesn't appeal to everybody but it's a very very um commercial style in terms mm-hmm. of to people who aren't that interested in tech that's kind of why it works yep. yeah and and he's a humble guy and he's a hum- yeah exactly you know he's not, he's not he's not he doesn't do it for the for the fame he does it because he enjoys doing it but the right. thing is he went to he went to was it yahoo Yahoo. And, and yep. he just vanished. I mean, <laughs> you just haven't heard from him for years. Now I'm sure no. there are people reading him on Yahoo, but um, he's Very just few gone. Compared to from, yeah, yeah. No, it, it he he took the cash and run. And I don't blame David for doing that. That's oh. fine. But if if you are selling you, that's that's his brand. It was a bad decision long term. Yeah, yeah. Uh, did I ever tell you my uh, David Polk story? No. So uh, I knew David because he used to write the back page of the Mac of Macworld before he went to the Times. Right, and we corresponded quite a few times. I think I even I think we did an interview with him once at my Mac. I don't remember, but we used to communicate quite a bit. I knew who David was. He knew who I was. Yeah. So it was the and I've told the story before of the Macworld Expo, and I think it was. Oh, either the year before or the year after the iPhone mm-hmm. at Macworld Expo where the the airline sent my bag to Hawaii rather than San Francisco right and so, so I you know I landed in San Francisco and I was I was hungry I hadn't eaten it all that day so I'm looking forward to getting my bags getting into the hotel and then going to get some food except no bags the only bag I have is my laptop that's right. it that's all mm-hmm. i got i have no other clothes no anything yeah and that's a problem so when the airline tells me well it actually got put on a flight to hawaii it's going to get rerouted back here and then we'll just send a taxi with your luggage to your hotel what hotel are you staying at and i said no 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 <laughs> I, I don't trust that at all yeah i will wait here at the hotel or at the airport until my bags arrive right now, the other part of the story that I usually jump to immediately is uh, Guy Searle was kind of in a similar situation that he hadn't eaten the day before either. Right. So as soon as the key, the Steve Jobs keynote was over, him and I went, we found this little store slash Chinese buffet place, loaded up our plate for d- almost nothing, Yeah. like six bucks, went back to the press room at Moscone, ate it, and we've, for years, we kept trying it was so delicious now it could have been that we were starving to death but i don't think so it was really good 
we spent years trying to find that place again and we never did right ever yeah so it was that's our ghost story mm -hmm. but here's the david pogue aspect of this if you've been to uh, sfo which i know you have yeah multiple times it's a busy airport sure is but there are p times when there's really no flights arriving and it's like a ghost town mm -hmm. there's nobody yeah and i've been there a few times like that too and it's weird you're like wow there's just like nobody here that's just yeah. kind of weird kind of like how it is at the moment mm -hmm. yeah so i'm it's like an hour and a half after my flight i'm at sfo um i want to say it was american but it i don't remember now it doesn't matter yeah i'm literally sitting on the floor i'm not sitting at a in a chair but i have my laptop in the chair so if you can picture that i'm sitting on the floor my laptop's in a chair i'm using it like a desk yeah um and this is like 2000 and it's either 2006 or 2008 it's one of those two mm -hmm. and out of nowhere i hear and it's completely dead there's no one in here nobody yeah there's not security there's there's no travelers there's nothing it's just me <laughs> which was kind of weird and it had been like that for about 20 minutes. And then out of nowhere, I hear, hey, Tim, what are you doing? And I look up, and it's David Pogue. Right. And I'm like, hey, David. He goes, he kind of looks at me and looks around, and he goes, you want to share a cab or something? <laughs> <laughs> I think he thought maybe I was I ran out of money or something. Yeah. I don't know. And I said, I said, no, they lost my luggage. It's it's fine. Uh -huh. And he laughs. He says, Okay. And that was that. That was my David Pogue story at Macworld Expo. Except the next day, he sees me on the showroom floor, and he comes up and he's like, "Did you get your luggage?" Yeah. I was like, "Yeah." And he goes, "I was thinking about it all last night. It was really bothering me." <laughs> <laughs> he said, "He said I was thinking about going around for donations, and then we were going to just go buy some clothes for you or something." <laughs> <laughs> so I liked David. He was uh, very down to earth, even when he was at the New York Times, even when he used to do those uh, CBS morning tech shows. Yeah, because uh, he he produced little videos for those, but you're right. The moment he went to Yahoo, and he made a big splash about going to Yahoo. He's going to be Yahoo exclusive. Yeah, uh, gone. Yeah, much much like Yahoo. Well, he, well, yeah. Because and here's one of the things I actually bookmarked his page at Yahoo, so I could yeah. kind of keep going back occasionally. Well, that URL stopped working. Yeah, Yahoo is famous for changing their internal, you know, addresses. So if you had the old bookmark, instead of going to the new bookmark, it's just that yeah, this yeah. bad bookmark. Sorry. And of course, yeah. I mean, I used to read his column on. I, I still, to this day, get most of my uh, internet news via RSS feed, and of course they wouldn't do an RSS feed for that because they wanted mm -hmm. you to go to the site. So that yep. meant you know I couldn't find Short -sighted. him. Short-sighted. Yeah, and no, it meant nobody could link to him, which basically was why he disappeared. And yeah. and this is the problem when you go behind these paywalls is that you're count they are counting on your brand bringing new eyeballs to their platform. And when you say paywall, it's not that the that we're paying for it. It just means it's uh, incentivized to go to the website because of all the advertising. And Yahoo for a while, I haven't been to Yahoo forever, so I could be wrong now. But for a while, Yahoo was so laden with ads. I, there was one point I went there to watch a video from David Pogue. I think it was David Pogue. Two other video ads started playing, and I couldn't yeah. stop them. And they were overlapping each other in audio. I'm like, this is one of the worst experiences of all time. This is just, this is trash. Yeah. To, to put it bluntly, it was trash. Yeah. So disappointing. No, it's, so it's right. kind, kind of like Macworld is now. I mean, I, I uh, in fact, I, uh, I complained. I not not complained, but I I dropped a note to Jason Snell. Um, who used to be the editor for Matt World um, at his Six Color site uh, uh -huh. probably about a year ago now. And I said, you know what, I love your site um, and I love reading things on the site, but some of your articles, are, are, you only put the headers on and then you they're published on Matt World. And I said, Matt World is such a cesspool of ads. I said, you know, even if you charge for it, would there be a way of you offering that content off your site um, without doing that? And I got a kind of grumpy reply back from him basically saying, well, you know, um, Macworld pays for that content, so uh, it's Macworld's to do what we want it, what what they want with it. You know, we can't republish it or anything like that. You know, and and I think he he was his attitude was kind of you know look what you begrudge me making a an extra buck on on the back of back of my site, uh, and it wasn't that at all. It's just I hated going to Macworld because it's so 
it's such a garbage site now with the ads. Yeah. You know. Well, it's a shadow of its former self. Yeah. But, um, you know, yeah, they, they these guys are counting, the, the people who pay them are counting on them bringing uh, extra people to the platform. The problem is, if Spotify does this, and then other other people, say Apple does it, or... Um, uh, Amazon Music does it or something like that all that happens then is you end up with less content because you can't subscribe you're not going to subscribe to all those services and even if you didn't mind the money nobody wants to have to manage different services to listen to the people they want nope you know so um, it's it's very very difficult and if you're not where everybody else is yeah and what I mean by that is especially with podcasting you have to be everywhere if you're not everywhere people are not going to find you it's just simple yeah. economics it's um for i'll give you an example i'm going to pull up our site right now um so if you look at any of our, our recent episodes yeah um and you go to the actual listing on the website but either techfanpodcast or mymac.com i have five buttons underneath each episode now Listen on Apple Podcasts, get it on Google Play, listen on Spotify, listen on Stitcher, and listen on Pandora. Mm -hmm. We're in all those places. I actively went out and put us on all those places, us and the MyMac guys. Yeah. So if you're not on all of those places for free, people just aren't going to find your show. Yeah. I can still see the statistics. I know where most people come from. Not surprisingly, most of the people still come from Apple. Yeah. That's where people are listening to us, Apple Podcasts. It was iTunes, but it's just Apple Podcasts now. Yeah. That's where people are finding us. Yeah, so, because most people well, most people with iPhones have the podcast app on comes yep. a standard, and they just search for what they want, and they subscribe to it there. And, and I know. think more iPhone listeners or iPhone users listen to podcasts than uh, Android. Yeah, well, having used you Google Music, I, yeah, you wouldn't bad. you wouldn't know that that they had a podcast section. It's not well surfaced. It's yeah. it's part of the part of the main app, so discoverability is bad. And right. this is the problem. To continue our example, I've just looked at David Pogue's website. He's re he returned to the Times about uh, a year, about two years ago. I had no idea. Well, you wouldn't have. This is the problem. Is if you go to one of these you know kind of paid for sites and then you leave it you come back yeah you've got to start building your brand all over again because most people don't know who you are anymore um so this is the issue you've got if you're a joe rogan is that when you come back you're going to have a smaller audience than you had before because a lot of people in that in the period of time you've been there whether it's two three years whatever will have forgotten about you because or have never encountered you well, is he back? Because I, I just went to David's website myself. Um, yeah, after five years at Yahoo, I've rejoined the Times. Yeah. Well, the last thing I see posted is October 27th for the New York Times. December 22nd for no, CBS well, Sunday that, morning. That's his, that's his page. If you, go, if you click on that link and go to the Times website, you'll see the last thing he published in the Times was May 4, 2020. But that was... The first thing well, he'd done since October 2019. So he's obviously taken a break. Yeah. Um, but, and, and, you know, he's not he's not head of tech at the Times anymore. So, because somebody else must have that job. Yeah. Uh, and they've given him a column. But, you know, what he's done, actually, is he's left Yahoo because it kind of collapsed and imploded under him. Um, he's got a column gig with the Times. I, I, blame, I blame David for that. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's got a Colin gig with the time but presumably the money he got from Yahoo means he doesn't need to work full time anymore so he's not doing it um, uh, so, I mean there does come a time where everyone has to retire well, yeah, or start I mean, slowing down a little bit you know he's, he's, he's a you know he's an older guy so he probably is coming up to retirement now um, he's not that much older than us I think he's maybe 10 years older than us well yeah but, but yeah I know from a lot of my, my colleagues at work, once you turn 60, you start thinking, this is the way for me to retire early. I'm thinking that now at 50. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Are you kidding me? That's what I mean. It, he's he's doing a lot for CBS News, I see, as well. So um, that's that looks like that's his main gig now. And he's done a piss-poor job of, of broadcasting that out there because I didn't know. Well, 
Maybe, look, maybe he didn't like being the big guy. Maybe that was one of the reasons he left to go to Yahoo, is he didn't want to be the figurehead for the New York Times tech column. You no, know? no, so no, maybe I'm he's saying happy that he being... didn't, he's doing a piss poor job of promoting where he's at now. Well, yeah, but again, is is that, if he's working for CBS, is that his job or CBS's job? Um, When I was at, when I was doing just a paid gig at OWC, I was advertising it everywhere because I wanted people to find me because yeah. I knew long term I have to look out for me. I can't. I can't guess that or hope that other people will do so. Yeah, but again, now I, I'm in know. a unique situation that I own my content. Yeah, you know, but I, that's after what 25 years of publishing. Yeah, I, I'm look. I'm not. I'm sure David knows full well what he's doing. Oh yeah, um, so I think he's doing fine. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna ding what he's doing at all. But the thing is, that, you know, he was huge for a time, and now he's not. And one of the reasons for that is because he went somewhere where people couldn't find him. And uh, Joe Rogan is doing the same, and it'd be interesting to see. And you're you're right. I mean, most people know Howard Stern today from the stuff he did before he went to Sirius, because yep. most people have no idea what he's done since he's gone to Sirius because they haven't heard it. Right. <laughs> and that's the yeah. thing. And so if he were to make a big slash and leave Sirius and come back to uh, a channel where you don't have to pay to listen to him, um, he'd have to build himself up again. He'd have to continue to do the crazy antics he does. I have no well, idea whether the show is the same as it used to be. Well, the, here's the here's the issue. In some respects, Howard Stern jumped at the right time because terrestrial radio, as we both know, uh, died. Yeah. You know, some people, oh, I still listen to, yeah, you're in the minority. Most people don't listen to the radio anymore. They just don't. Um, some people do, but many more do not. So when Howard Stern was the biggest, late 80s through the parts of the 90s into the 2000s, um, it was on a radio station in New York. So you have an audience that was, A, it's New York. Yeah. B, what he was doing was different. It was vulgar and it was nasty and it sold. And yeah. he had rabid fans. The moment... And he and he rode that I think as long as he possibly could. The moment he jumped behind a paywall, he lost what probably eighty percent, ninety percent of his audience. Yeah. Within two years, yeah. probably if, if the really rabid fans followed him over, but most of his listeners weren't rabid fans. They would tune in on the twenty minute drive to work, and that was it. Yeah. You know, did you? Howard said, "Oh, he's crazy," and then they moved on. Um, so he lost a big chunk of his audience. Now, what if he went back? Well, radio's dead. Now, Howard Stern will still draw some on terrestrial radio as far as listeners go, but I don't think that would be wise for Howard Stern. I think Howard Stern, if he wanted to get out of the XM thing, I think he just does it on his own. Yeah. And, and that would be sensible. He probably could do... Uh, a podcast of his own and he could probably get big advertising sponsors and that sort of thing mm-hmm. um, but I, I suppose from his point of view he, he provided Sirius aren't interfering with this program then why would he even bother doing it he shouldn't care how many people I could listen t- to I him could tell you, I could tell you right off the bat because Howard Stern has a massive ego and yeah. Joe Rogan just blew him away on what he's getting paid uh, maybe he just blew him away it's not even close okay so I think Howard Stern is now going to be thinking wait a minute if and his contract comes up, his exclusivity comes up, I think this, this next year. Right. Uh, if, if XM doesn't want to step up and pay him Joe Rogan money, I think he that's exactly what he's going to do. I think okay. he's going to take the show on the road. He's already moved to California, and he, he's done a lot of different things. And I think he's way mellowed out compared to what he used to be. Yeah. Nobody wants to hear a, a radio station with a bunch of strippers in there anymore. No, that that shock jock thing is gone. Well, yeah, but that but that that, the, that was the problem. The shock jock thing all came out of the fact that nobody else could do that on the radio, and only Howard got away with it. Yeah. Um, and the the difficulty now is that you can see that kind of shocking stuff anytime you want on YouTube or um, or hear it or or TikTok. And yeah, there are podcasts that do shocking stuff. I mean, right yeah. from the early days of podcasting, I remember. One of the early podcasts was one from a guy who basically did them while he was on the toilet every day, yeah. uh, and that was his 
if you excuse the term, his shtick. Yeah. I remember Don and Drew way back in the day. Yeah. Their whole thing was talking about sex as a couple and stuff like that. We actually partnered up with them on a contest once. Yeah. That we originated the content. Yeah. Contest. That's when there was like 300 podcasts in the entire world and, you know. Yeah. That, those are the good old days. And, and, in, and in some respects, I mean, um, what, the, what was the guy, what was the, uh, the guy's name? The guy started you know was big in in promoting podcasts and uh, adam oh adam curry adam curry i mean yep. in very his his start his shows were very much howard-esque only it was a one-man thing rather than the crew um it became that it wasn't like that at the beginning right. at the beginning it was a show about podcasting yeah you know this new medium i mean adam curry was a guy that helped me with my first rss feed um, um i know this story yeah yeah so i mean We've been podcasting a very long time, and if you go back to listen to the first year of the MyMac podcast, it's not wholly different than what we're doing right now. It yeah. really isn't. Um, we've expanded the the type of content we talk about, but it's still just talking heads, yeah. as in most podcasts. Yeah, but the advantage podcasts always had over radio was that you could talk about whatever you wanted. There were no rules. For, there, there's no, And that's what I always try to promote. There's no rules in podcasting. Yeah. You can record a podcast about anything you want under the sun, and there's no regulation saying you can't. Yeah. I could start cursing like a sailor right here. We just choose not to. I, right. In my real life, I curse a lot more than I do on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. As you well know. Most, most people do. Hmm? Most people do, I think. But I yeah. keep them, I take it serious when we're doing the show that I, I want to keep it quote unquote queen or queen, clean. Yeah. I, I will drop a, an occasional curse word on here yeah. if something really ticks me off. But but that's for emphasis because if you use it every five sentences, then it loses its impact. That's right, and also as well, you know, we I I don't. Uh, there's something we've been finding during the lockdown actually is you. It's awkward when you've got kids in the house and you're listening yep. or watching to content that's um, that, not appropriate. Yeah, not appropriate for them, and then then they. You hear the door open. You have to stop it because you don't want yep. them to hear or see something that that um, you don't want. You don't want to expose them to basically. Right, and yeah. and we're old, which means we don't stay up late. Yeah, exactly. Yep. You know. Yeah. So speaking of um, staying up, let's stay up in uh, a little bit longer here and get to some feedback. Okay, I, but just before I was, re- I was really stretching for that. Right yeah, there, just before we do the feedback, I need to have a, a iMac glass update. Um. We'll, let's we'll talk about that some other time. Okay. <laughs> um, it's in flux right now. All right. So, um, first one is from Tom Schmidt. He's been on the show in the past. Uh, writes for my Mac occasionally. Does some other podcasts. I've heard him on uh, Three Geeky Ladies. Yeah. Uh, Tom writes. Um, the newer iMacs are much easier to take apart than the older ones. Once you stop thinking the tape is weird, reassembly is the tricky part, which I agree with. Yeah. Uh, you have to use Apple strips if you can get them. The third-party ones are horrible. Too hard to get off if you have to. Yep, as you found out. Yeah. Uh, Simon from the Essential Apple Podcasts, part of the MyMac Podcasting Network, wrote, um, I agree very much with David about the subscriptions. Great if you're using it for work and use a lot of the applications. For home or, or for home users, it's a poor deal. Now, we're talking about... Uh, Amazon and to a lesser degree the Microsoft Office that you can't just go buy Word or Photoshop anymore you have to subscribe and it is for a home user prohibitively expensive Yeah, it just is Mm -hmm. he says I like Pixelmator Pixelmator Pro but if you really use Photoshop it's not the same Yeah, Uh, I agree with that Uh, and then he gets into you might want to look at Affinity Photo which is much more Photoshop than anything else and has configurable shortcuts so you can make it how you're used to. Uh, also, ATM. At the moment. At, oh, the moment. at the moment. Okay, yeah. I'm old. Uh, you can get a 90-day free <laughs> trial or buy it 50% off. Uh, it's yeah. only like $50 full price. Yeah. I'd highly recommend it. So on his recommendation and Donnie's to a lesser extent because yeah. I've heard Donnie talk about it in the past as well, I actually did buy it for fifty percent off. I think it cost me nineteen ninety nine. Yeah. Uh, so I've got Affinity Photo, uh, Affinity Pro, yeah. Affinity Photo. Sorry. Photo, yeah. I also have, and I've owned it for God, I don't know how many years now. Um, Pixelmator Pro. Mm-hmm. I've had that for many years. So I have both of those now. Um, yeah. I like 
from just a very brief moment of using them. I haven't used either one of them extensively since I got the iMac. Um, I still like Pixelmator better because I'm more used to it. Yeah. And I would actually say that that feels more like Photoshop to me. Mm -hmm. uh, Affinity is super confusing. Um, I can't figure out where they're putting things. I'm like, it should be right here. Uh, as an example, I wanted to adjust the uh, opacity of one of the layers. Yeah. I, I couldn't figure out how to do it. Yeah. Well, there's a familiarity aspect to that as well. Um, I've I've used Affinity Photo. They they do a range of software. This this was from um, a company called Serif, who have been in this business for a long time. Yeah. And they but they have a quite um, a pretty good set set of apps now. They have Publisher, they have Photo, they have a designer which is kind of like a Adobe Illustrator. Um, and uh, the the thing as well is they're the, most of these apps are available on Mac, Windows, and and iPad. So you can really kind of work across all your devices if that's what you want. And yeah, you, there's no subscription. You just buy them. So um, from that point of view, you know, they're very good. Whether the, yeah, I don't have the skills to assess whether these apps are as good as Photoshop. I don't even know Photoshop that well. What I do know is is that they, they are very powerful. They offer a lot of the same features. Whether they're as easy to use or not is a, is a I'm not the right person to answer that. But My so. problem is uh, I've been using Photoshop for I don't know, 22 years. Yeah. Um, a lot of it is muscle memory. And even the newer versions of Photoshop, the keyboard shortcuts did the same thing. Which is why, it's so, which, why it's so tough that you can't get these apps now without a subscription. Do but they still do Photoshop the, well, elements? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think that died. Because that was the that was Photoshop the light that you yeah. could buy. Yeah. It worked for a while, but I think... They just said, you know, once they went to the subscription, it's kind of a moot point. I'm seeing Photoshop Elements 2020 here, but I don't know whether how you how you buy it. Yeah, well, if if they make it difficult, who knows? I don't know whether. Oh, you can you can buy it. How um, much is it? Um, well, I'm looking at the English the English thing. It's eight six pounds for Elements. So ninety dollars, hundred bucks. Hundred bucks, and and they've got a bundle with uh, Premiere Elements for video as well for one hundred thirty pounds. So one hundred fifty dollars. That's not bad actually. Yeah. Um, um, but I don't I don't know how good those programs are compared to yeah I don't know what the limitations are. Thing. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. And I, and quite honestly, after I bought Affinity and I also have Pixelmator, yeah. I don't really no. have a desire to go add yet a third one. But here's the um, problem: Adobe does not promote either of these apps because they're all about promoting the subscription. Exactly. So you know, I reckon even if you click on one of these buy now links, it will say, "Well, you could buy this, or you could subscribe to Adobe CC." Yeah, probably. Um, I, I'm going to continue to try to use uh, both programs, but yeah. I'm going to I'm going to default to Affinity if I can. Mm -hmm. uh, because I spent recent money on that, and that's more important than old money I spent on Pixelmator. Yeah. <laughs> but it's really, it's, and this is where I, I got to fault Affinity a little bit here. And when I say that Pixelmator is a little bit more Photoshop-like, what I mean is uh, menu items are where they belong because that's where I'm kind of used to them in Photoshop, and Pixelmator took, you know, that route. Yeah. Uh, Affinity Photo did not. Mm -hmm. They kind of have their own nomenclature, if you will. Yeah, as I say, they're they're. Um, it says brand by Serif, and I remember Serif back in the day. At least twenty years ago, we're still we're in this game of doing photo and publishing apps. So they'll have their own ecosystem, I'd imagine, or user interface, or, or whatever. I gotta imagine they've seen a bump in sales because I've seen Affinity Photo talked about quite a bit on Twitter. Yeah. No, and, yeah, they've 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 marketed it quite aggressively. Well, um, at the price point and the feature set, and the fact that people don't want to subscribe forever to yeah. software that Adobe is saying, I think that puts them in a very favorable position. Yeah. Affinity as well also has this marketing model where basically the thing is always on sale. Yeah, you know, so. if it's always on sale, it's it's never on sale. Yeah, exactly. Um, it basically there's always a discount from the supposed full price. So yeah. I guess they must. Every now and again, know what they're doing. I bought it. it. Yeah. Now, of course, I bought it because of Simon's recommendations, and to a lesser extent, like I said, uh, Donnie's. But yeah, I bought it. Yeah. Uh, next one is uh, from Mark Geisen. Geisen? How do you say that? Uh, I'm going to go with G I A S S O N. Yeah, I would go with Geisen, but Geisen. That's what uh, I think. Or too. maybe 
maybe Jason. I don't know. He, Mark, I think he pronounced it Robertson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, hello, Tim. Upgrading the hardware uh, on the iMac is quite challenging. Uh, I was dealing with a similar performance issue with the iMac I bought in May 2018 on the Apple refurbished store. A 21.5-inch iMac, 2017 Core i5, 8GB of RAM, 1TB serial ATA drive. So basically 50, at 5400 RPM, yeah. which is basically the same machine I have here. Um, I restored my documents from my carbon copy backup. And proceed, uh, and the process, the procedure took almost ten hours. I, I feel, I feel you, Mark. Yeah. Uh, obviously, the weak link in my system was the internal hard drive. I want a better performance from my newer purchase. I considered installing an internal SSD hard drive. The procedure seemed too complicated. It was. I mm -hmm. asked an Apple certified workshop. It was too expensive. I decided to buy a Samsung T5 one terabyte external hard drive. The SSD is connected to the external USB-C port. Now feels like a brand new machine. And it is, is quick and responsive. The boot procedure takes 35 seconds instead of two minutes. The uh, This edition was not so expensive and allowed me to work with my iMac with performances that suited me. I was listening to your podcast, or I like listening to your podcast. Keep up the good work. Greetings to you and David. Yeah. Um, but he addressed it to me, so screw you, David. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I did that briefly. Yeah. When I, I, the same drive that I back up to, I actually booted this machine from, and, and the performance was night and day. Um, yeah. That is, running your entire system on an external hard drive forever always seems to me um, scary. Well... It, yeah, I I understand you thinking that, but the thing is, is oh I know I it's know not, it's not it's it's an SSD. It's not an external mm -hmm. drive. It's powered off the computer, and it's using. I mean, this one's a USB three point one, but if you get Thunderbolt one, um, it's like it's part of the computer anyway. I'm yeah. I'm kicking myself for not even thinking about suggesting this to you when you were first talking about it because we you remember you were debating about whether to buy this machine and maybe you buy it for a bit and then sell it and and get get the one you wanted and all this and I, I should have thought of this as an option which is basically get a big ssd put your system on it plug it into the new imac and then leave the imac as it is and then sell it and get the one you want with the ssd in it you want at a later date and um, yeah. i'm i'm with you mark i should have thought of this to suggest to tim i'm not sure whether you would have gone for it but i still should have suggested it. well to you. i didn't even think about it until i was i already had this imac and i was trying to figure out how i wanted to uh transfer stuff yeah and then the moment I thought, well, why don't I just boot it up from the external SSD that I have? It was, like I said, it was night and day. It was so fast. Yeah. So. And I uh, considered keeping it like that, but I don't know. I, I'm old school. I, drives that have the operating system should be internal. Uh, There's I no yeah. rational explanation for it other than I'm an old guy. Well, yeah, but where has that got you? Well, yeah, well. You know, so you know it's um, an ongoing process. We'll see where this goes. Yeah. You got anything else this week? We're coming up on you know fifty minutes here, but you know, uh, what have I? I, I, I don't I, have a whole lot of stuff here. I have been um, well. I, I there, there are a few bits and pieces that I've been looking at that um, and fooling around with. Um, I'm I'm amazingly busy at work now, which is really kind of odd because I'm stuck mm -hmm. at home, and yep. yet um, I am really looks like I'm going to be busy for some time but um yeah little tip i wanted to share um we talked a couple of weeks ago about the use of web external webcams and how you can't buy them for love and money at the moment because everyone's working from home yeah um a good good thing that i kind of happened upon to uh to to fix this problem is that um of course your phone or any other ios device you might have in your house or even an android device that matter normally has a much better camera in it than uh, any webcam on any laptop and it's what seven or eight dollars something like that to buy an app for your iphone or for your android phone that lets you plug it in via usb to your computer and use it as a webcam um, hmm. i've started doing that now i bought a um a five dollar you know the one of those little um i think it's actually a selfie stick but it doubles as a stand yeah yeah that i can clip my phone into and i run this app plug my phone into what's the app called uh, it's called Epoch Cam HD. Is the one I'm e using. Epoch E P O C Cam HD 
on the uh, on the iPhone. And then huh. there's a the little server application that you run on your computer. Uh, so it's audio and video? Audio and video, uh, and it works over Wi-Fi or cable. Hmm. Um, I wouldn't mind doing something like that myself um, because it's easier to position a phone than the screen. Exactly. Well, this is the thing. On, uh, you put the thing on a little tripod, uh, and you can use the front or back camera. Either of them, either of them is better than the camera on your laptop. Sure. And, uh, yeah, you, well, this is what I do. I stick the phone right behind my screen. So it's just above the camera lens. It's just above the top of my screen. So huh. when I'm looking at my screen, it looks like I'm looking right at people. My work laptop has the webcam, which is terrible. It also has it at the bottom of the bezel rather than the top. So it always looks like it's looking up my nose. It, yeah. It's just awful. And uh, I won't use it. So uh, <laughs> this is a... Uh, <laughs> the problem as well is that is that if I have the laptop on my lap and I'm sat on a chair... And I turn it on. It looks makes me look like a beached whale. I look like Jabba the Hutt. Because E P O C H. E no E P O C Cam H D. Yeah. Oh. No H. Cam. Yeah. Uh, and it's great. I'm putting this because I'm going to put it in the uh, show notes. Yeah. And uh, seven seven or eight quid for a, a a. Well, most of us have a cable if you don't want to do it on Wi-Fi, but a, a little tripod stand, and you have much better webcam uh than you know spending 100 100 odd something dollars on the it's been out, price it's been out for a while too it looks like yeah huh. so there you go so that's my tech tip of the week yeah i like that a lot i'm going to uh give that a shot even though i don't really have a need for it right now because i'm physically going into work every day yeah. well not every day but it seems like it sometimes i'm i'm very much enjoying your um your stream of lounging in the trunk of the car have we talked about that here on the on the podcast? I think we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. Um, yeah. where, where you mentioned you'd done one, but there seems to be my, my wife keeps telling me because she stalks you on Facebook that uh, there is a constant stream of them of different poses. Yeah, it's every week. Yeah. <laughs> so what we're talking about is uh, the dealership I work for. Uh, I'm doing a weekly show, if you want to call it that. Uh, you have to follow Metro Toyota to see it, though, or find me on Facebook. My profile's open on Facebook, so anybody in the world can can look at me up on Facebook. Um, but if you just do a, a search for Metro Toyota Kalamazoo, you'll find our dealership page. If you liked it or just start scrolling down it, you will see Tuesday's Tuesday Trivia. No. Toyota. No. Tuesday Toyota Trivia with Tim in the Trunk. That's what it's called. <laughs> And I am literally in the trunk of cars um, talking, talking about Toyota trivia sometimes. Or, you know, I, I, I throw in a couple salesy things in there. Hey, did you know that we have 0% right now on Camry and I'm in the back of a Camry? Yeah. Uh, but it's this kind of less than five minutes each. Good fun. Uh, getting my butt into some of those smaller cars is not easy. Um, unfortunately, we just got rid of the Land Cruiser. That would have been an easy one to get in the back. Yeah, I could have brought a like a lounge chair and sat back there. That would have been awesome. Um, but you know, someone said it's kind of hokey. Well, that's the point. <laughs> you know, you're watching it. It worked. Yeah. You know, if I just stood there statue-like, doing the same thing, I don't think it would get attention. But no. you see the preview, and it's this guy laying in the trunk of a car holding a sign you're much more apt to click that to see what the hell that's about. Um, And I've had customers come in and, you know, they don't know who I am. They just made an appointment. They show up and I'm like, hey, I'm Tim. And they're like, oh, you're the dude in the trunk. (laughs) I've had that a few times. Yeah. Um, uh, Alex. Yeah, it reminds me of when we, um, when my family first started coming to the States back when I was a boy. We were, we were, Obviously, advertising was much more aggressive than we were used to in the UK. We only oh, had yeah. one or... I think I think when we first came in 79, there was only one commercial channel in the UK that did advertising. Um, and, of course, you know, it was wall-to-wall advertising, but we always we always liked the ones where the local guy... And it was, it, it, it was a case of, I'm paying for this ad, so I'm going to be in it, and it will be him doing the stuff to camera. Yeah. And <laughs> most of it was terrible. Cause I, found, <laughs> I found this 60s or 70s. I, I think it was early 70s. Guy worked at a car dealership, and he, and they did live spots. Right. And he quits. Mm-hmm. He obviously knew something had happened right. right before they went live. Yeah. 
and this guy just it's it's hilarious i'll see if i could find it right. the guy's just like dissing the cars and <laughs> it's just it's bro i mean it's very it's very that time frame so yeah. he doesn't start swearing or anything um yeah we had classic. i think i think we had um going back to howard stern and radio and that sort of thing because we we have more radio commercial uh commercial radio is is its own thing but we have obviously we have bbc radio here um and these shows often have used to have big followings and there was a guy who did the mid-morning show and he quit live on air um and he basically locked himself in the studio and spent an hour dissing his bosses before he walked out um it's quite funny oh here it is uh Oh, it's from uh, 1968, it looks like, I think it says. Ralph Ralph Williams, Bayshore, Chrysler, Plymouth, 1968. Um, Ralph Williams I, used this... car commercial. Comes straight yeah. up in Google. Yeah, here we go. There's outtakes and bloopers. Oh, he is Carson. Yeah. Um, I think it's outtakes. I don't think he's actually quitting. Yeah. Okay. I because I I watched it, but I I don't think I realized it was outtakes because he was just going off. And there's a dog laying on. There's a couple of dogs. Yeah. No, the dog the was a the dog was a thing. Apparently, this guy was an was an actor who who did this who did this um shtick this kind of shtick with the dog. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. So. But I've seen commercials or uh, videos where people quit on the air. There's this one, uh, a black lady, and I think she's up in like Colorado or Alaska or somewhere, and she is. Um, it's right when they're starting to legalize marijuana there. So mm-hmm. I think it was I think it was Denver, and she actually opened up her own dispensary, and she got quite popular. But she quit on the air. Yeah, and she just was like, "Eff it." I quit and gets up and walks away and then they cut to the other lady and she's just like oh I apologize for the uh, language and and she's like you could tell that oh that just happened (laughs) it was like the uh, the, I'm pretty sure there was a a DJ once who um, kind of lost it a little bit locked himself in the studio and would just pay nothing but grandma got run over by a reindeer over and over again and and it it was about an hour and a half before they can get him out (laughs) <laughs> oh good lord that's just why Why would you subject people to that obviously he had some kind of a breakdown but I wow. think so yeah that's yeah. not something against management you're 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 mentally harming your audience <laughs> n- n- nobody should be subjected to that song for that long <laughs> such a bad song yeah. I liked it when I was a kid thought it was funny that's and right as an yeah. adult I'm like this is just atrocious it's a crime against humanity oh All here right, we man. go yeah it was um, Iowa, Davenport, Iowa, WLLR, yeah. 1985. A DJ played the song 27 times back-to-back during the morning show before station management was able to stop him. He was reportedly depressed and upset that a co-worker had left employment at the station to work out state. <laughs> <laughs> so if David ever quits a podcast guy... Yeah, exactly. That's what you're to. getting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's just brutally bad. <laughs> All right, we're going to wrap this episode up. Uh, you guys, please send us some feedback. We got three of them last time. Love feedback. Yeah. Um, it's the show at techfanpodcast.com. Of course, you can just go to either techfanpodcast or mymac.com and uh, submit you know a message that way or hit us up on Twitter. It's techfanpodcast or mymac. I uh, monitor both of them. Well, maybe not, you know every second but at least daily i i jump on there and, there you go you know I, I just don't get on twitter that often just uh yeah i just saw this whole thing that there's 80 percent of all the conversations um trying to say that you know covid is fake and all that is actually bots yeah of course it is Ugh, ugh. twitter just has to clean up their stuff yeah, they're they're just a cesspool. It is. I don't. That's why I don't use it anymore. In fact, no. I'd say I probably dislike Twitter more than I dislike Facebook. At least you kind of know what Facebook's get, getting up to. Yeah. You know? Well, you're not big on the social media, regardless. Not really. Um, no. I just it. 
even to this day, it's hard for me to follow along on Twitter. Yeah. You know, at least on Facebook, I just scroll down the page. I'll see, you know, a post from Leanne and, oh, look what she's doing. Yeah. Um, or, you know, like I saw the birthday post uh, about your daughter. Yeah. Not too long ago. Mm-hmm. And that was cool. I got to see some pictures and I, of course, immediately thought, wow, she's getting big. Yeah, she is. She and sure is. Uh, that's why I like Facebook. I know what they're doing with my data. I don't care. They can have my data. Uh, but Twitter is just, I, I see so many things that, from people I don't follow. Why am I seeing all this garbage? Yeah. You know, there's no, I don't, I don't care that Mark Hamill just commented on this. And Why not, am I seeing yeah, this? And not only that, it's not nice, uh, interesting stuff is often ranty. It's just vile. You know, yeah. It. It's, it's, it's so polarized with everybody. Everybody's got an opinion. You, you literally have to go in and just block 80% of everything you see for a solid four months. Yeah. Just to make it usable for you. Yeah. Well, who wants to do that? Nobody. That's the point. Yeah. That's why I don't jump on there very yeah. often. You know, mm-hmm. I do for messages. Um, I'll seek out people on there just to see their recent posts. But other than that, just scrolling through my timeline on Twitter is just a soul crushing experience. Yeah. Which is too bad, because it could have been so much better. Well, it used to be a lot of fun, but, um, yeah, not anymore. All right, David, I'll see you next week. See you then.